Welcome back, everybody. This is the What Makes This Song Stink podcast. I'm Pat Finnerty. I host this podcast. It's a podcast. And uh, it's in, you know, it's um, attached to the uh, What Makes This Song Stink video series that I do on YouTube, except this is like a, a looser format because, you know, like I said, it's a podcast. And um, today's episode, uh, we're going to talk about Lullaby, which I just found out that's the name of the song. It's actually Lullaby, not Rockaby. It's the Sean Mullen song. You know it. You've, you've, you've been a Jiffy Lube. Will you put it on, producer Adam? I'm, I'm in a Jiffy Lube. I could see a Sports Illustrated from like four years ago. Rough looking Sports Illustrated in a Jiffy Lube. Jiffy Lubes are incredible. I love the fact that they like walk you back into that room. I talked about this before, but it's unbelievable. It's like... Like, you don't know where you're going. There's one door. They chaperone you into this lobby. And then, you know, they're real nice. It's like, oh, sir, there's some reading material over there, sir. They're calling you sir. You know, you're in a Jiffy Lube. And then they're like, there's some coffee over there. And you're looking over at that coffee thing. It's like from an AA meeting in 1985. And then you sit there for 18 minutes and you listen to Rockabye, um, maybe you know maybe a three doors down song comes on and then they come out and they say you're all they ask you if you want the filter thing and they show you the dirty filter and you're like that's a carny move if i've ever seen one so i say no to that and then like 10 minutes later they come back and they give you the biggest receipt you can ever be handed in your entire life why why do they give you eight by ten why a jiffy loop do you get and it's like four there's like four uh copies of it and it's, you just walk out with this bizarre receipt and you put it on your front seat. Like, all right, am I going to hold on to this Jiffy Lube receipt? And then sometimes they even forget to put the sticker on there. But I'll be back. I'll be back to a Jiffy Lube. So anyway, that's the song that we're going to be talking about today. Um, the most important uh, thing is that we have very exciting guest for me today. Uh, my buddy Scott, Scott McMicken from Dr. Dog. And from his solo pursuits, he's an artist. He's a... He's, uh, one of a very good friend of mine, and um, you know, it, I'm surprised this isn't a seven hour episode because when we talk, it's just God knows where it's going. We could go from credence to a Rubik's cube to the correlations between credence and a Rubik's cube. Uh, kind of when we talk, he's one of the funniest people I know. He's one of my favorite songwriters. Uh, I'm gonna ask him a bunch about Doctor Dog. You'll hear about that for all you dog fucks out there. And if you don't know Doctor Dog. Um, and you like good songs, <laughs> check them out. They're there. They're there for you. Um, and we're both uh, Philly people. He doesn't live in Philly anymore, but that's where we met years and years ago, just through, you know, mixed bag of, uh, I know this guy, you know that guy, and mutual friends and stuff. And that's how I became friends with all those Dr. Dog guys. So um, one of my favorite bands and some of my favorite people. So uh, that's that's going to be a treat, getting the interview with Scott. But first... We got to talk a little bit about it. We got some news that we got to go over here. So in today's news, I don't have any collective soul or Godsmack or disturbed uh, uh, information. I just actually, I wanted to talk a little bit about the podcast. So things going pretty good. You know, we're figuring this thing out. Um, like I said, in the beginning, when I started doing the, the podcast, I was, I was still knee deep in the simple plan, all that stuff. And, you know, producer Adam carrying, uh, you know, wanted to do a podcast, but you know, 
So just try, trying to figure it out. Like I said, this thing is all, we're just trying to figure it out. And and what I realized is that like had amazing guests on the show so far, like incredible. Um, but now we're going to take a slight turn and you're going to start seeing a little bit more of the characters from the What Makes the Song Stink video universe coming in. And Scott's kind of one of those because he was in the Hazel Sister video. So um, we're, we're going to be getting BTWG at some point. There's going to be a BTWG interview, full hour of all blinds to go guy. I'll get to, I'll get to know him. Cause I don't, I don't really know him. Like I know him from Instagram. Cause that's where I get in touch with him. And I met him a couple times in person and he's electric. He's unbelievably electric and, uh, he's batting a thousand. So, um, there will be a BT double G, uh, he'll be on the show. Um, Mike's going to come on the show. Hopefully get Lloyd at some point. I'd love to get Lloyd. Um, so I'm going to be working on getting some of the, the stinks universe people here on the show as well as, as well as, uh, comedians and, you know, all the other, uh, people that are going to be coming in, maybe an astronaut at some point, let's just get an astronaut, you know, why not? Let's, let's talk to an astronaut, find out if they ever listen to music in space and if, you know, what song stinks in space. So that's kind of where I'm thinking we're going to go with this podcast, but you know, it's going to be loose. It's going to stay loose because it's a podcast. And uh, that's the news. So on that note, we got to do rock by lullaby. But we get to meet Scott McMickens, and that's going to be uh, that's going to be awesome. So stick around. We're going uh, to grab a hot one, I mean. And uh, let's do it. What makes this song stink? This is my good buddy, Scott McMickens, everybody. And uh, he is, let me give you a little intro, Scott. First, you want to say hello to everybody? Hello, everybody. There Scott he is. here. Um, a little moment of Pat's Pat Pat appreciation too. I know everybody listening is a big fan of everything you've done. I've been a fan of you and a, f- a friend of yours for a long time, but it has been amazing watching the world you've expressed and opened up over the last couple of years. And uh, so, just a little moment for you, Pat. Soak it up. I know everybody at home listening is listening because you've got a vibe that is wonderful. Oh, I appreciate that, Scott. That means a lot. Coming from you, and now I'll I'll blow you for a little bit. This is uh, <laughs> this is Scott. I'm blushing. Um, yeah, he is. Um, this dude. Okay, so his main main thing that you might know him for is Doctor Dog. Of course, I've uh, been in that band um, for a very long time, um, and uh, just wrapped up touring for the band and kind of hiatusy and all of that stuff. But the backlog's there. You could listen to it. Um, and he is one of my favorite songwriters and I'm not saying that cause he's here and he's also an extremely, uh, smart and funny dude. Um, and that's how I feel about you, Scott, you know, friends never say that to each other. You know what I mean? Like we do like, you're the, you're the kind of guy that will say that kind of stuff, but like on air is like, sometimes it's just like, no, well actually you are one of my favorite songwriters that's and bad. I can tell you that right that's now. Bad. Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll talk, um, and, and it's good to have you on because, I've I've loved all the guests that I've had on on the on the show so far, but um, we when we talk about music, it's it's nice to talk to a musician first of all. It's nice, um, and and this song in particular that we're going to be uh, kind of trying not to talk about today um, is is it, this one is rough. Okay, well, you so know full the thing backstory. about talking about songs that you don't like is implicit in it is is it's loaded with the subtext of what you do like. So the fact that we're that's what I was thinking about listening to this song this morning. I was like, when you really start to analyze the elements you don't like, you're, you're basically just reaffirming 
what's missing the part you do like so i feel like there's a thing to the whole what makes this song stinks phenomenon that is Mm -hmm. as much a celebration of good music as it is a uh a dirge on the dark side speaking of that like i always try in my videos i always try to be like you know people are always just like you know you're rap you're 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 you know you're ragging on three doors down because it's a simple song and i'm like no i i love simple songs simple songs are great and then i'll always just play a little part of some like you know bonehead riff from a song that i love like you know i, I played the stooges uh, down the street in one of my videos it's it's eg and a the whole entire time it rules like yeah. of course it doesn't you don't need like fucking beata way only in chords or anything like you know scales or anything like that like you don't need to do that of course you don't but it's there is a way there's just something about these songs that i end up talking about that are just like so so we were talking earlier today like kind of setting up for like all right we're gonna do the song on the phone and i said a phenomenon sometimes that happens is that like you know, I went on to this other podcast, the Rock Hall podcast, and they were like, you know, these are all the rock and roll nominees for this year. We're going to pick their worst song. And I was listening to a rhythmic song called, like, I listened to Beethoven, and I was just like, I like this song. I was like, I could see why it kind of might be one of their worst, but, like, it's still really weird and cool. Um, so I ended up liking all those songs. So then I said to you in our conversation, I was like, who knows? We could be listening to this, and then it it, it could we could be like, wait, this song is actually pretty cool. Then I listened to it, and uh, I don't. I don't think we're going to be saying that today. This thing is, this thing is, is a nose is a nosedive. Like this is unbelievable, big time. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. I I was ready. I was almost eager to like it, just because mm-hmm. of the more meta aspects of what the song stinks thing is all about, and just because in my own life I've been um, expanding my own like horizons and parameters and previously established taboos and music and just like kind of just trying things and not operating with as much pretense about some version of what I think is good or not. And just like going for whatever whim and finding Mm -hmm. that I'm getting a lot back. Not, you know, it's not everything about it is great or anything, but it's showing me that there's so many other elements to what we are as musicians that want a way out and and when you let them out um it feels good and you get inspired and you see new directions and stuff so for all those reasons i was like yeah this is probably the best time in my life for me to like rockabye because i'm as like stripped down (laughs) about what is good and what isn't as i've ever been that said man i got a like a little mini anxiety attack listening to it it it, uh, it's it's intense it's intense the vocals are so close it's like they put a 57 up this man's nose it's i don't menacing. understand it really is now before we get into it let's let's only call it rockabye but it's not called rockabye. i know i tried know i was First googling rockabye for like 10 minutes no, it's called lullaby which it's, when you think about that in the grand scheme of that song and the sort of soothing, sort of comforting notion of his perspective and the way he's delivering it. And you just zoom out on that most basic thing, like a guy with this empathy towards this sort of rundown L.A. trope of a beautiful Danny woman. California. And he's Danny there California. to say, yep. this is your lullaby. It's OK. Everything's going to be all right. You know, but it like is. 
on that most basic level, he's so creepy. He's like, he's this. Oh it's, god, it's the creepiest. He's the guy that's like, like walking two steps too close behind yeah. you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why is this? Why is this guy? Why is this guy? This guy should be two steps back, or like, you know, someone who comes in, like, uh, you know, like the. I'm kind. Of, no, you know, I was gonna say, you know, when like the waitress sits down at the booth with you and takes the order, but I'm kind of into that. Like, they're 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 tired. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's kind of like for a minute. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. But someone's just walking a little too close. You take it easy. But wait, waiters and waitresses, you could sit down at the booth. Um, so this guy's name is Sean Mullins, in case you don't forget. He's, uh, yeah, I feel like I went back. to high school with the Sean Mullins. Or I, I know it was Sean Mullins somewhere. We all did. But, man, like, you talked about that, like, breathy vibe. Like, Ugh. it's – I was thinking about how, like it, – it's, it's like uh, maybe it's, like, early version of, like – that that phenomenon that people get into of like hypersensory experiences, I feel like his vocal recording is like trying to appeal to you on that level, and it was making me think about how like, um, like if you were an ear, nose, and throat doctor or something, you could listen to that song and and maybe like you know get be like uh, I think this guy might have some polyps or something, you know? It's like this super zoomed in view of this aspect of his anatomy this like and that's like because, like i said man 57 up the nostril like how about ent's by the way the fact that like every other doctor every other part of your body has its own doctor like podiatrist foot whatever they're not throwing an ankle on that guy it's like the ear nose and throat they just throw it all together they're like all right you're you're in this world you yeah proximity effect yeah you can't have one without the other you ever think to yourself, you're like people like you Google shit and it's just like your back hurts and they're like, well, it could be because your feet and I'm like, what do you mean? My feet are all the way down there. That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't, that can't affect my back. But like our bodies are like, they're feet away from each other. Everything is. But I'm always like, no, 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 I can't have anything to do with the back. My, my, my feet's all the way down there. What are you talking about? <laughs> my wrist? Like, no, no, no. My neck and my wrist. Let's let people understand exactly what we were talking about as far as the ENT aspect of the song goes. So, Adam, can you put it on for us, please? She grew up with the children of the stars. All right, cut uh, it right yeah, there. Hang on a cut minute. it. You cut know it. what he's doing too. Like, there's this like Tom Waits vibe going on, right? Like he's playing yeah. this character, this sort of like mm-hmm. downtown stoic cat, you know? And he mm-hmm. and it, it's like the most two D version of that thing. It's like Chester Cheetah or something, you know? It's like for like from a middle school perspective. <laughs> Uh, now I want to do a cartoon recreation of this video with Chester, Chester Cheetah. Cheetah. Yeah, yeah, just walking like Chester Cheetah has like a baby Taylor acoustic or something like that, and he's just walking down, <laughs> you know, Hollywood Boulevard. She was walking down this door. Like I feel like it was he was he a Metallica fan or something? Because you know, how, like Hetfield always ends all of his lines with like, you know, <sighs> from the Beltos. Ah, yeah. like he throws the ah on the end. It's all about the like, R's, man. Did he do the first line of this song? And it was like, she was walking down the street. And the producer was like, yes, that. 
do that every single word. Yeah, he probably went in, in and like triple tracked those, like he was just like waiting for it and going. Uh, uh, just like layering those up. Yeah, right. I was I was thinking like you know um, I'm from Scranton originally. You know that. Um, Love Scranton. You had a great line on Scranton because me and like a bunch of my buddies, like you know cousin Mike, you know cousin Mike Love well, cousin and you know Mike. Brian Langan well, you know all this, you know all the Scranton guys, and we tell a I lot of Scranton Kevin, stories. You do, yeah. So it's like now there's another one, right? So it's just like you know Kevin Williams, the great Kevin Williams, tickling them keys. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know there's we tell all these stories about Scranton all the time, and then uh, one of my favorite things you ever said was like, man, Scranton. I don't think I'm ever going to go to Scranton. <laughs> I, I, I've still never been. <laughs> no, you don't have to. Nice town, though. It's a nice town. Hardworking folk. Hardworking folk. Nice town. It's a good-looking town. But there's a the the voice from Scranton that you hear us do all the time, that, that this accent, part of the problem I had with The Office is not, I understand movie magic. I do. It's like, of course, like, but the sun has never shined in Scranton, like the way LA, like for me, when they were saying that this show's in Scranton, I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't watch it. I know it's a good show and I know it's funny and all that stuff, but the British office was always my office anyway, even though I'm from Scranton, right? But like, there's an accent in Scranton. It might take a Fargo Scranton kind of movie to get it out there, but people actually do talk like dude what's going on you, you fucking you, dude you fucking drinking tonight or what dude, i'm fucking trying to so i fucking went down to pete's yesterday and he's fucking running me to riot act about what's going on with this lawnmower he gave it to his neighbor apparently his neighbor don't want to fucking give it back to him so he said his neighbor owed him 40 bucks so he said i'm just gonna keep the 40 bucks you know what i mean hmm. yeah and there's dude. people that actually do this hmm, mm. at the end of it mm. and i'm thinking mm. like um, like, cause Hana is a, is a, is a famous word in Scranton. So it's like, you going down there, Hana? It's what like, is- ain't yeah. Hana, Hana. It's, um, it's like Hana, like, are you, it's like a, it started as are you and ended up ain't ya. And then it became Hana. Like it's fucking hot out, Hana. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's Hana. It's, 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 wow, it's I never real. Knew about I'm not that. making I- it up. So then certain like pockets of Scranton. It is kind of British in a way, like putting stuff at the end yeah, of the line. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what Mullins is doing here. So it's just like there's there's even a there's a part of Scranton where they even go like more hardcore with the Hana, where it's like, nah. So like you'll be like, Oh, it's fucking hot out, nah. And that's <laughs> just that's reduced what this, to nothing. I swear to God, there's a garage with two brothers. I think they're both named Mark. And they and they just they every single sentence is like, dude, we need a new fucking new carburetor in this thing. Nah. Nah. <laughs> and they end with nah. Uh Adam, will you put another verse on? And he's kind of doing that. This is when it rocks, but it's gonna come back to Doesn't rock verse. though. No, it doesn't rock. Paint such a picture. Yeah, it doesn't rock. And then the exquisite part. Yeah. And then it's just wow. His voice was here the entire time. Let's wow. Let's talk about a, a few. 
Oh, yeah, you got it. A few sort of more broader issues. Like, I, I feel like something that got me thinking about was like, I don't know if I can stand by this, but I'll try it on, this notion. I kind of feel like four chords in a progression with equal measures just mm-hmm. rarely is cool. Like, mm, 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 mm. I'm sure there's countless examples, but like there's something about that four equal chord progression thing that's very much like this era to my to my ear. Well, it's and post the idea smells of like, like Teen Spirit, right? Post Teen it's post yeah. Teen Spirit. Yeah. So it's like all we need is four. Let's move them around in all sorts of ways. Yeah. Which which music was always doing in a way, like you know, chord progressions. But like there has to be like a little bit of a twist. Like we talk yeah. about twists a lot, and that's like kind of all it takes. It's just yeah. a little bit of like a twist. Like just make the fourth chord half that bar, or whatever. Then you get more of like this idea of a motif or a vamp. You get something slightly more interesting but when it's just four chords it's just sort of this like you have like all that time to just anticipate returning and it's like kind of gets like nauseating and the whole like acoustic guitar being played with this like funky inflection against like super pristine drums and like ping ride and stuff like that combo like funky acoustic guitar and hi-fi drums just gives you nothing so that like four and i think that four is the guiltiest number yeah. even though four is like there is no music without four like four is everything right yeah so like four but when it comes to chords that's the first time i'm gonna really like if i hear a song and i know that they're gonna just settle into this four chord thing then it's just like okay it's probably it's it's guilty before proven innocent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, <clears throat> if it's a three chord progression that's looped, I'm I'm easier with that. Big time. Like if like like if you can hang out on that third chord. I don't know why that makes a difference, but it does. It does. The four is just so. The four's been like an amazing. Uh, I feel like the '90s really grabbed onto the four, and then, and then this is just like this is the '90s greatest. Like this is everything that the '90s. If if you took a time capsule and you put it all together, this song is what the '90s became. You know what I mean? It's totally. got a mixture of kind of everything. Yeah, you know, and there's like, I think there's something about when you've got four chords going like that that you're inclined to do this. Well, we're going to talk about the jant, like the, the mayor jant, right? Like risky. We're going to talk about the mayor jant. Let's take a break first. We'll come back. We'll talk about the mayor jant, as I call it. Mayor jant. Up next. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. That was a nice commercial, wasn't it, Scott? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like, this is, this is what's easily going to make me hate a song almost immediately. I don't know why. It's the, I hate the, I, I, <clears throat> there's something, I don't think there's one song that does that that I like. Especially on a guitar. Like it's, it's like, there's nothing inherently like annoying about that rhythmic subdivision. Like, no, it's good. just the slap of the strings on the guitar. But the it, guitar, that's all it is. It's not for that. Yeah. 
But what would the piano equivalent of that move be like? I oh, guess it'd just be like a staccato, piano, staccato kind of. Yeah, you get Chica, a little, right. That's nice. I love that feel. So you yeah, know what this song's is like awesome? a broader thing. Like there is no inherently stinky principles in music. There, there's no, no one thing that, in the fundamental primary sense, there's no nothing's bad. It's to my ear and probably the way a lot of people feel and probably the way you feel too about a lot of things is more, it's not the idea itself, it's the application of the idea. And when you say application, maybe you're talking about applying a certain rhythmic idea to a guitar that just makes you nauseous. Whereas if it was like percussion against a snare drum, you'd be really excited. And then you've got like production. Yeah. And I feel like this song's production and really production Something I was thinking about is like if you tried to do a song, uh, uh, what makes this song stinks episode, but the song had to come from like the '60s, it'd be a yeah. totally different, it'd be a totally different thing, and it'd be far less disgusting, I'm sure, because the production had not reached a point. Uh, and I feel like this song's production is particularly notable because it's right there in like history's worst moment of production styles. Mm -hmm. But also the song is trying to act like it's this sort of like gritty salt of the earth sentiment. This got like, you know, like L.A. is Nashville with a tan. It's hard to keep a straight face when you're doing your gig here and all this. You know, it's like the guy who's the outsider on the industry. But like his yeah. song is the most like it's the word it's the most la sounding piece of music of that time period la in the sense of commercial and designed right. to be palatable and digestible in the grocery store and all that everything that he's like defining himself in opposition to within this song is perfectly embodied by the song so he's like trying to have it these two ways you know he's trying to be like this outsider uh but he's just making like but at the same time, he's just like, he's informed by Sugar Ray. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, there's no, but but here's the thing. This is real interesting what you just said, because this song, if it was in the 60s, you know what this song would be? There's something happening here. Because it's it'd be like, there's something happening here. <laughs> what it is I'll join you exactly on those windows Yeah They got a man Back with a gun Over there Who's telling me I've got to be clear Everything's gonna be I mean It's like kind of following that thing But like you know for what it's worth is for what it's worth, first of all. I mean, it's Stills and it's Neil and like, you know, but like the production of the 60s and like, this is a far bigger conversation, but why not have a little bit well, of it? Well, it's crucial to like, why things stink. Like, a, yeah, it really this, is. This Sean I Mullen mean, song could be awesome. Like if it was recorded by like Joe Meek, mm -hmm. I would love it. Again, right. there's nothing inherently stinky inside the DNA of any one idea. It's the presentation. But the, there is, I mean, this verse, the verse is tough. I mean, I don't know how we're cleaning up that verse. Like, she goes up something. I mean, spoken is tough to begin with. You know what I mean? 
It puts emphasis on the lyric. So that's the problem. It's just like if you're going to use spoken word, that means I'm really paying attention to the lyrics and like practically everyone was there. Mm-hmm. Bob Dylan or no, he goes with Seeger, Dennis Hopper and Sonny and Cher, which yeah. Seeger's not at that party. He- Are you kidding me? <laughs> Like, Seagrid still lives in Michigan, right. you know? It's just like, so that's my problem with the spoken word. But what were you going to say about it? Oh, uh, no, I was just trying. I was just flexing, seeing if I could imagine a way. I, I think I, I still, I still, I stand by maybe a fun, like, follow-up challenge to this episode is be like, I'll try to make a cover version of uh, this tune yes. that I think is cool. Yes. And just to you further know, gonna... illustrate this point. You know I'm going to stick this to you, right? Like, you know you actually have to do this You know I'm going to do it, too. I know you are. Can we tell the story of the hot stepper for everybody that saw the Stop the Train video? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so um, for those of you who watched the video series, What Makes a Song Stink, you might remember from the Hey Soul Sister episode uh, where I threw the protest against the song Hey Soul Sister. About 100 people showed up. This is how it originally went down. I, was, I had a whole entire different B-plot. Okay, or so the B plot was going to be about uh, Dogmutt. So we, so there's this troll guy who did, um, and I still use him a lot. I love Dogmutt, but he was the one who said like, "Who the fuck are you? You can't write a hit song or whatever like that. Your videos take forever." So I had a whole thing set up where my hit song. Okay, this is how I was originally going to end it. My hit song was going to be. The jingle, yeah. right? So I was setting it up so that the crowd sings it and then that's my hit and everything like that. And they call it a hit song. And BTWG gave me like a, a pep talk. He was the one who said like, what do you mean? Because I was down and out after the protest. And he's like, no, you have a hit. And I was like, no, I don't. And he's like, no, the jingle. And then, so that was going to be the ending. It, but then I got into Hot Stepper. So I was just like, it organically happened where I heard the Hot Stepper and I'm like, man, Hot Stepper rips. And then I was just like, Man, if any song should be on the radio more, it's the Hot Stepper, not Hate Soul Sister. And then I was just like talking to you about something or whatever. And then I just had the idea where I was just like, wait a second, Dr. Dog covering the Hot Stepper would be fucking badass. <laughs> so I called you like I do. And uh, you know, when I call you, it's usually something like, you know, I've got, I've got an idea. Yeah. And that's, and same, likewise for you. If I see the call coming in, there's an idea, right? So it's just like, hey, man, I'm uh, going to need to, like, do you remember exactly how it went down? Yeah, I, I remember. Sort of. I was just like, I'm going to need you to, I'm, I'm going to need you to, first I think I was like, what do you think of Hot Stepper? Like, when's the last time you heard Hot Stepper? And you're like, I love Hot Stepper. And I was like, I knew you would. And then I was just like, I think that you guys need to record it. And it just kind of happened. <laughs> like, yeah, you and then you did it in like a day and then you sent it to the guys or whatever. Um, but like it was pretty it, it happened pretty fast. I remember that. It did. Yeah, it was really fun. Super fun. Yeah. And like, you know, just an overall appreciation for like pick up your crew and run the area. I mean, every line in that song is awesome. Oh, big time. Yeah. You know, and then I pictured you just down there in Asheville, just in your little little shed studio. Pick up the crew and run the area. Yeah. <laughs> right. But oh, uh, and then it turns out that people, you know, like you guys went on your last tour and, and you got a lot of Hot Stepper requests. And then we performed know? an epic version of Hot Stepper together in Philly, New Year's Eve. That was wonderful. 
It all worked out. And then, so you guys, I think you have live records coming out now from San Francisco, right? Yeah, you're on um, there. From that tour. And I'm on that, right? Because I came on to that show. Hotel California. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so that's another thing, too. So it's like I went out for my 40th birthday to see you guys in, in San Francisco because I got a bunch of buddies in San Francisco and you guys were playing there. So I was like, you know what? I'm turning 40. This is right before the pandemic hit. So I'm like, I'm going to go out there doing four nights. I'll go out, hang out with the dog dudes, catch a couple shows, do some other stuff. And, uh, and I did. Yeah. Oh, man. Please go to Pier 39, I think it's called, where they're just barking and it stinks. And it's my favorite place in the world. They just keep barking. But as I'm walking back, you guys are playing your set, right? I'm walking back to go eat some of your food in the green room. And... Uh, and Brendan, your guitar tech, was just like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, I'm going to get some, you know, I'm going to go eat some hummus or something. And then he's like, no, 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 you're playing a solo. And I was like, when? He's like, now. And then I just went up on stage, you're here to be the guitar. And then I was doing, like, <laughs> California bands on it. Yeah, um, you ripped it. it hey, so what in California? It's all um, on record now. It fact, is. Yeah, look at this. So, this is a mock-up of the cassette box set. Oh, oh man, that looks great. Yeah. Four nights. So I plug shit. We plug shit on this podcast. Um, so yeah, everybody plug. can Get go this. to Press On. Press On Records is Scott's label. It's only cassettes. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he's got... How many How many releases have you put out? Oh, we've got about 20, I think. Okay. Yeah. And it's all just like, you know, Scott finds... It's, it's Scott adjacent... Uh, either songwriters or some of your own stuff in the project, like Gary and Linda, mm -hmm. um, your project with your wife, Leanne, yep. um, which is awesome. So look up Press On Records. And, uh, yeah, got you know, a Mike you Quinn album on there. Yep, Michael Now, Mike. Floating Action, Benny Yurko, mm -hmm. Duff Thompson, Bradford Trojan, bunch of vibe tapes, um, a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, we're trying yeah, to up the ante. We're trying. We've just kind of made that thing and have been enjoying the process. But like nobody really knows about it or anything. And we we've gotten a lot done just setting it up and slowly kind of making more tapes and duplicating tapes for people and making them available. But we've done literally nothing to like advance the profile of it. So we've been trying to figure that. out how to get more people to know about it. So oh, it's the worst. I Club hate panel. promo for all this shit that I do. I hate, I still hate it. It's why I make fun of doing it. You yeah. know what I mean? But at the same time, like you have to, you have to put yourself out there. So you got to, you got to step it up on press on record because to. there's so much great, there's so much great music Thanks, um, there. And, uh, and I want, so, you know, everybody, if you don't, if you're, if you need new shit, if you if, if you're in a music spot where you're like I need something good to listen to that I don't know, and you like listening to tapes, you could just order twenty and you're gonna get good shit. Just get um, a bunch of tapes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So that's good, but you know, producer Adam hanging up the uh, back to song thing. Um. Let's get back to the. Let's, speaking of, uh, let's let's get off the good and back to the bad. Let's let's check out where we're at with uh, Rockabye, Lullaby. Piano there. She still lives with her mom outside the city. <laughs> Down that street about a half a mile. And all her friends tell her she's so pretty. 
Okay, stop it again in there. We haven't discussed, uh, I mean, it's almost like the sheer, like, horrifying nature of the verse makes you forget that, like, that chorus and this total shift into that other thing that goes on in a lot of stinking songs where the, uh, ah, the leap to that the high falsetto. Note is always it's the guiltiest move there is it's the easiest way to get like a hook don't you think like jump into the quick high yeah it's like i can't stand to fly yeah i'm not it's just like i'm more than a bird i'm more than a bird it's a cold like play you, vibe too like a lot of cold play is if you if you go up to that high one it's the move that's done in in like 95 percent of guilty tunes and it's supposed like to elicit this grandeur this like almost operatic feeling that this soaring openness it's effective like in the case of sean mullins it's an effective that part distinctly opens up and gives a lift and so in the most deconstructed sense like it's a great chorus but man like it's hard to listen to <laughs> it's hard to listen to it is and it doesn't sound like he's a bad guy i kind of want to come down on sean mullins you know I'm, I'm sure he's a nice man that's the tricky you know? thing it's just like because like here's the thing that i've been finding but doing these podcasts it's like the videos that i'll do are just like either i have a specific like problem with with the camp that's putting it out you know, where I've got a lot to say about how I think that they're just running their shop as as either a band or as or as humans, really, you know. But with the all these songs that I'm talking about on the podcast over and over again, it's like, you know, Sean Mullins, he was he he got a hit. I mean, the guy got a hit. This song stinks. And I have no problem saying that. I would I would I would stink stamp this one for the rest of my life. Is it catchy? Sure. Everything is gonna be but like I would take and I hate saying this, but like think about this. Everything is gonna be alright. She said I don't know if I ever been good enough. I mean it's the most nineties sounding, you know, like I said, it's it, like we said. It's just like totally if you Frankensteined every single bad 90s element and put it into one song, it's Rockabye Lullaby. Yeah. Although Rockabye's got like a little Hank Williams move, right? Like there's, isn't there a major two? What is it? Yeah, Rockabye. Rockabye. Hank Williams. You threw a tag there. Who is the king of the, the major two, of Big course? Time. But. Yeah. But it's interesting, interesting when you hear the major two in the context of this horrible song, you realize like it's kind of an oasis thing too. Like there's a that four chord, and with the major two, it feels like it reminds me of an oasis thing too. Right? Do, do you ever see the thing where Noel is talking? Oh man, who is he sitting with? Like Jimmy Page or somebody? It's it's not the it's not the whole thing where like the Edge and Jack White and Jim. It's not that thing. It's a different thing. It's like early on in Oasis in the '90s, and he's sitting with some guitar great. It could be Jimmy Page. It could be Paul. I think it's Paul actually. He's like with Paul or he's with the Stone, and he's just like teaching them. He's like, he's like, yeah, Wonderwall. You know, you can tell he's not the confident 
you know, Noel, like, he's just like, and I just thought it would be a cool thing if I just kept these two right here, you know? Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. No, no, and he just, just keeps, keeps playing, playing it. it. And, and like, like, you know, I think Paul, Paul, I think it's Paul, and he's just, just like, mm, yeah, that's really, really oh, yeah. yeah, you just keep like, he, he's like, he, he keeps doing it so that I have to say something, you know, and he's just like, yeah, oh, yeah, you're just keeping those two right there the whole time, huh? <laughs> but it's in that. If, How it's did 90s that come local. to be? It's so it's interesting. Local. It's so wild that just like, these particular ideas planted themselves so rigorously at that period of time. Like, it's just strange, right? It's like... It is. I mean, I think that it's, like I said, I think it's post... Uh, right? Yeah. And then, like, and then don't forget about fucking Weezer. You know what I mean? So it's like, like, uh, the world has turned and left me here. Yeah. But it's just like, and that's why I think it was in the Danny California video that it did where I was just calling like the chorus battle of the band's chorus because it's like. Rest in peace. Because when you're dealing with four, you could just. Four chords, man. That's like my new like Achilles heel. Do you, are you familiar with the Bush song, Everything Zen? I, I remember that title. I bet I, I can recall like, it. It's like rocking in the free world uh, after a drink, like Monster Energy drink. Like, it's like... I'm a solid, on the go. And then it goes... Trotsy wants my way. Oh, yeah. Everything Zen. Everything Zen. I don't think so. That's pretty good. Yeah. So it's like I that. Don't mind but then that there's song. a four but there's a four chord part. That song stinks. There's a four chord part of this song that goes. Yeah, so like here's the chorus, right? Like, I don't think so. And then it goes. I don't believe that Elvis is dead. Yeah, I don't believe that Elvis is. That's the that's Nirvana to you, like the the nineties non sequitur thing, like. Right, but just picking those any four you want. But that's the thing. I love Nirvana. You know what I mean? And well, they're Kurt's the exception. King four. There's a lot Kurt's of bands the that are four. the exception. They embody the problems, but like they sort of have a different source for it. And like Steely Dan's a band like that, maybe. Um, you know, bands that were just really influential and then influenced so much stuff that kind of just didn't have the same depth that they had. They right. had the, but they put the mechanics of it so firmly on the table that you could easily draw from it. But I feel like, like if I if I'm if I think about all this stuff we're throwing around, all these things like the 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 core the chords with the droney part hanging out while you make the changes, the wristy kind of rhythms, the four chord thing. Um, mm-hmm this sort of like 2D kind of pre- pretentious storytelling vibe. If I think about all those things that we're like honing in on about stinky songs, the honestly, the place that I feel the most like discomfort about it is almost like my, it's like, it's like, what's the, how do you describe it? It's like, I, I 
I relate to them too much. Like, it's not like I'm like, oh, I'm up here where all the ideas are great. And down there is where all these bad ideas are. It's like when I see the bad mm-hmm. ideas, I've, I've got them in me. Like, I, and like, I remember being, I feel like it's kind of like amateur or something. Like when, when you're 12 and you're sitting in your room and you write your first songs, like they're going to have those drone notes in the chords. There's going to be four chords. You're going to be mm-hmm. going like, because all, I mean, especially if you grew up when we grew up in like the nineties, when that was like, yeah. Well, I wrote a song. I wrote a song called Pookie that I played at the talent show at sophomore year of high school. It went, run, jump, and hide, my sweet Pookie. <laughs> sleep, eat, and sleep, my sweet Pookie. <laughs> I think sleep, Mike wrote. I think we, that's sleep. a that's a co-write. I think me and Mike wrote that song together. So it's just like two of us Perfect you know example. what i mean there's so, something inherently like amateur about all the cha 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 do cha i'm doing the cha 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 do cha that that's drum pattern funk drums <laughs> and i'm gonna if i ever make listen fuck the hot tub if i'm making real money in this world i'm gonna hire mit people to break down why the do do cha cha do cha is an easy beat to play on drums yeah I think it's like you, the first you've said anybody that for, play. for years and I've thought about it so much to the extent that I challenged myself to make a song that I loved with that and it worked out. Because again, <laughs> man, it's all presentation. Like it's all yeah. how you frame it. There's no inherent I feel, like idea. I, should start be, I feel like I should start getting some royalties over here from the dog camp, giving you all these fucking ideas these that I'm giving you. Ideas. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving you bad ideas <laughs> and then they come, then they turn into, okay, hey, I see that we're going to talk idea. We're going to talk more about that at the end of this episode because something very exciting is going to happen to the podcast. But first, uh, we get to take another commercial break. Scott, you want to try throwing us to a commercial? Let's go to a commercial. Thanks, Scott. Okay, so we're back. We were just talking about, um, is Pookie better than Rockabye? I think Rockabye is better than Pookie. I like Pookie. I like Pookie more. Eat, sleep, and and eat. Eat, sleep, and eat, yeah. And then the she was... uh, which is basically, if you want to call me baby, <laughs> just go ahead now. It's that one. But chord progressions are amazing because that same chord progression is what I use for the song BTWG on the Simple Plan. So it's like, driving down Baltimore Pike, right across from the Boston Market. But when I'm 42, I think the melody is a little bit better. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of like, um, but it's amazing. Same fucking chord progression, mm-hmm. you know? It's It's like... Yeah, we talk man. about this all the time. Music's music's weird. They're man. all Music good. Music is really weird. They all can be good. It all can be good. Mm-hmm. This one's not though. Adam, will you put it back on? <laughs> the solo. Wait, pause it right there. Pause it right there. That's See, the solo. That solo. But the tone and the weight, just his vibrato there. And I don't want to be a dick. I'm not trying to be a dick. It's sla- it's like scumbag tone. And he's just, just doing a little bit too much wiggle on that vibrato. Now, I'm micromanaging here a little bit. but And the reason why is because, like, let's just take... 
it's, you know, it's just confusing. I'm sure there's some dog- it's not even bad. It's just confusing. They say, okay, and solo. And it's not like the Neil Young style one note solo where it's all about just like putting yeah, your right. whole it's not cinnamon in girl in and you're just here. But I can hear like, let's just, let's just use a song for example, right? Like, okay. So I'm sure there's some dog fucks that are listening to this. Like, at the outros of like when you see you know when you're when you guys are playing, you might just hit one note at the end of a song like anybody would, but like you 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 hit this soaring note or something like that. There's a freedom to your playing that I've always loved. It's just kind of like you know end of shadow people. You don't know what you're gonna do. You might do this. You might do that. And you you a lot of times in your because I love your guitar playing and I don't think enough people t- uh, you know talk about your guitar playing. Um, it's just always melodic. It's so melodic to me. And, you know, the moves, the moves that you're doing, um, seem like, you know, they're, they're like, it's almost improv, but I think you have a basis of like just a strong melody, no matter what you're doing, there's always a melody. Um, so like at the end of, uh, you know, you could take an end of like shadow people where you'll just improv something. And it might be like what that was, you know, just like one note, but there's a, there's a different spirit to it. And I'm not saying that because it's like, I'm your friend or anything like that. It's just like, there was something that was a little fucked up about that. What we just heard. It's almost like non-committal. Like I'm all for one note, but it's more just like, it's sort of like, it's almost like Muzak. This whole song's kind of like Muzak. It's like, what will achieve the desired effect in the listener to the smallest degree, you know? Like, what will mm-hmm. tell the listener we are now in a guitar solo but not demand too much of the listener with that guitar solo? It's just like... Exactly. Instead of just committing to, like, a strong... Just, like, maybe, like, a maybe no Maybe breaking vibe. that rhythm a little, too, like... You know, so it's just, like... But it... But the mix, it wasn't, like, it's not up in the present. It's not saying that this is a guitar solo. This is just Use the heart. heart. It's confusing and it's not like, you know, it's not really doing, it's just kind of like a move to get us to the, to the double chorus that's going to happen. Like something needs to happen there. That's where it had to go. It's like, you can't keep singing now. So. Right. Um, And like, we talk about all the time and I've said this to you, like for years, I've just been like, you know, listen, you guys, Dr. Dog, you guys have a great fan base. You're doing great. Let's get you on the fucking, just write, listen, just write a fucking 1564 Beato. Adam, do we still have the Beato thing? Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Beato. Yeah, there he is. So it's like, you know, 1564, and I'm like, just fucking write I one. I did it, And Pat. then you said, wait, no, you did. are you kidding me? Your line was always never going to happen. I know. And I'm, I'm full disclosure now, since here we are, but like, I did it, and like two or three months ago, and I decided, like, I mean, you of all people, I was like, I was thinking of you by doing it. Yeah. Um, and I can't share it with you. <laughs> I can't. And I actually think it's pretty good. You have to. You but have it's to like, I can't let that out of the box. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe you can, though. Maybe we're wrong. Scott, maybe we're wrong. I don't know. No, I don't think we are. But like, you know. Do I have to write one? And then we could share them together. Sure. And maybe, you know what I mean? But and I mean, maybe where we could put would we out get ourselves set, by split doing... Split seven inch? I don't like, know if... Uh, it's just like, where does it EP? go? You know? Like, even just in the small micro context of, like, 
what will I achieve by showing you that I did it? And what will you get out of the fact that I did it? It's just like, there's something puzzling about it all to me, I guess rooted in how deeply uncomfortable I am with that chord progression. Yeah. It's almost just like, oh. it's not like you're going to be like, the max I could hope out of you is like, yeah, you did it. You know, that's the most I'm going to be able to get out of the exchange is like, but it's I'll like, probably oh, like it. I'll, that, defi- I'll definitely like it. And I like a lot of songs with 1564. Now, for those of you who forget or don't know what the 1564 is, if you haven't seen um, some videos that I've done on it, it's the worst it's just of the, the most four. common. It's the worst of the four. It's the most common. It's it's literally every other song on a on the radio Spotify like playlist new songs. It's like pop 101 like you just kind of plug it in and it's like for some reason again I'll get MIT people involved in this again too. I don't know why math people are going to help me with this, but you know, music's math whatever. I feel like why is this song why is this four chords the easiest one to put a a, a pop melody over? I don't know. I think I don't it's know why. because my sort of MIT brain on the subject is sort of that like every single chord both anticipates and resolves the previous chord and the next one. It's like it's like every single chord does what you want it to do, you know? You know, when I was like 13, I, I was singing, wow, it was good living with you. I was singing that song in the kitchen. And my mom was like, what is that? And I was like, it was just something I came up with. I lied to my mother. I was, and she's like, oh my God, that's, that's really, really good. And then I was like, I was like, yeah, it's better than, it's oh, better man. than Ezra, mom. Sorry, it's, of, it's not ever, mine. Did you ever hear the story about Wiz in that song? No, he was like but playing. Wiz is the tour manager of uh, Doctor Dog. Wiz is a Wiz is a character of all characters. So what what happened? He was yeah. apparently at a bar on tour somewhere. Playing, maybe I think it was in New Orleans. And um, that dude, the guy who wrote that song, was he was playing pool with that guy. And apparently, mm-hmm. every time he sank a ball, he'd go wow <laughs> to the guy. <laughs> the guy was getting real pissed off at him. I would imagine. I mean, that guy is tall. He, he's like that's so Wiz being you know Wiz is a big boy. He he could he could probably pull that joke off because that guy, the better than Ezra guy, I met him once actually at the uh, pilgrimage festival in Nashville. I think that he like throws that thing or something. Um, but uh, he he's tall. He's like he's like six five. He's right around my height. Um, never never you know never saw that coming. Mm. Um. But that song, good, I would put way far up uh, compared to what we're listening to right now. Adam, are we close to the end here? Just that little it does. And that's why I was... But it it gives it that little twist. You know? This is Breakdown. This song was already a breakdown. You can't break down a breakdown. There's that too. Anxiety, man. Yeah. 
And he's got to do something different on the last course. You always have to do something different on the last course. We all do that. It's It has to happen. I don't do it enough. I get too lazy. I know I should, but I'm just like, whatever. Yeah. I'll throw some effects on or whatever. Is it a cliffhanger ending? It's a cliffhanger ending. Saying it's it's ending on the four. That's my favorite part of the song. I mean, first of all, that it's over, but it ends on the four, which I think is kind of cool. It's not kind, you know. At least it does something. Like, but actually, it's pissing me off a little bit more because now it's like it hasn't resolved. It's not over. It's like still kind of still hanging. Yeah, it's hanging in the ethos somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Lingering. Let's. Let's talk to people about like let's just play let's play a new game called uh, band practice. So you you write a new song. There's four to what? How many different ways is there to end a song? So you're in the band. You know you, we could go back to like the intro. There's that move. We could do uh, just end on the one. That's of course we could ring it out. We could do like ACDC style ring out. Yeah, the credence like <laughs> yeah, right. Or you can just do super tight. Uh, you could do, um, the, you know, as I call cliffhanger, which is like any other chord, especially like if you're going like a minor tubiata, like, and it will just kind of hang. Um, there's, there's a lot of decisions that you need to make as far as an ending goes. You mean like, you remember how good the teeth were at ending their songs? You remember how incredible everyone had like a, yeah, like every one of them. Yeah. Yep. The Teeth are a great band from Philadelphia that are now the Squawk Brothers, which features uh, Cousin Mike. So uh, you could check out Squawk Brothers and you could check out The Teeth. These are all Philly. Um, so we're done talking about this song. So let's just uh, let's 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 ask. Let's ask you a couple questions. Scott McMicken, today's guest. Um, Philadelphia. What What's that? Philadelphia. You know, uh, that's that's the place where it happened, where the band happened for you. And then you guys were on the road for 20 years and about that. Right. Well, and then you're just play. like, you're like, we've played the we've 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 played the, you know, um, the venues. What's what's like I'm, I'm having a tough time thinking about like what's the one venue in um, uh, Detroit? I forget. The Majestic the magic stick or the Majestic. Yeah. Yeah, magic stick. Like we're good on that. Let's you know. Let's let's uh let's let's take let's take some time here. You know, you know what I mean. Let's focus on some other stuff. And uh, you know, but let me just say again that uh, all the records that if you're not a Doctor Dog fan and you give a shit about anything that I say, it's just do yourself a favor, go back. And this is a question that I always like when I hear people get interviewed uh, bands. What do you ever listen to? Die? Do you ever listen to Doctor Dog? And if you do, uh, what are some of your favorite sounding songs? Like uh, that, or is in the discography? And name one that you might think that if you could do it, if you could do it, a do over, which is like what Doctor Dog recording would you be like? Oh man, that does kind of that that kind of stuff. Oh, are there any of those? Yeah, uh, I've got some do overs. In fact, I was thinking about actually doing a record of do overs. Like um, that seems like it would be fun for us as a band to make like not necessarily um different versions basically yeah just sort of strip the song out of its currently existing form right and rethink because we were we were doing a uh, a couple tours ago we were doing there's a song on um i think it's on 
be the void called over here, over there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always love as a song. I love that song, but I never felt like the recording achieved. I was trying to get this like Detroit feel out of it. This like, boom, uh, you know, that like that that classic Detroit beat that. But I mean, it just sounds too like choked out and sort of like it just didn't come out great. And then whenever we try to play it, it never felt that great. And it felt like overly complicated. But I always loved the song. So a couple of years ago, we started doing it just like in a country, we're in a country vein, and Libro mm-hmm. was with us and doing some lap steel and. Um, and it just felt good to sing the song and not have to worry about like failing at this Detroit feel or whatever. Um, yeah. So I, I think of that song as one I would like to do another recording of in a different way. But um, I feel like the song "Love" can be a country kind of song too. I would I would like to hear that one in that in that vein. That's one of my that's one of my favorites. I feel like it could totally be like almost in a like. You know, love, only love, can it last? Boom, boom, Oh, yeah. You know, like that kind of vibe to it. Yeah. But that's like something we talk about all the time. It's just like, you can change, you know. Now, here's the thing, though. You might have some fans that are listening to this right now that are just like, no, over here, over there, that's like my favorite you know song on that record you know what i mean that's what's so weird but like for you totally. it's like you you hear it completely different it's like when is the song done when is it you know like when is it ever done yeah. is the song really ever done you know it's or is it just the latest like this we we got here you know what i mean yes. and this is where it kind of is you know totally yeah yeah i mean in general i don't i don't get too hung up on um I feel like, I mean, Dr. Dog has always been such a wonderful experience. You know, I mean, warts and all, like, it's always felt great. You know, it's never felt like, um, like, wherever we've been at whatever points we were at, looking back, always felt really enthusiastic. Like, we were always sort of, like, really excited about what we were doing at that time. And obviously as time mm-hmm. passes, you change and your ideas change and your methods change, which might then render older things like not as good as you think they could be. But I've always found that the enduring sort of spirit inside of any older thing has had a lot more to do with just like what it felt like at that time doing it. So, I mean, even going back to the first stuff, like, that stuff sounds crazy to me now. Like, I, it doesn't even sound like it's so sped up, like with the pit very speed. And it's just like yeah, so yeah. abstracted and weird in all these ways that I love, but would never really do anymore. Um, but even that, it's like when I listen to it, I'm just I'm not thinking like, oh, if I was doing this today, it'd be like this. I'm just thinking we were so excited when we did that. Like, you know, everything that that part of our catalog still resonates with me just like the memory of what it felt like to be doing it and back to your question i i think to me like fate is still a record i can go back to anytime even though it's like mm-hmm. different in a lot of ways than the way we started playing and 
once Eric joined the band and really brought a lot to our feel and dynamics and stuff, it's, it's sort of, it's before that it's before the current version of the band, um, which Eric obviously has such a huge, um, role in, but, um, despite it, despite that, it, it feels to me like, um, I guess if I had to pick a favorite, it'd, it'd be that one. Just because it's that's felt... the one that I always tell people to to go to if they don't know your band. I always tell them to oh, check yeah? out Fate first because nice. I think it's a blend of everything that you did. Like that, it. I think it just kind of represents, you know, the the early kind of like it. I think we've even talked about this where the the breeze, which is just such a great song, how it starts in a lo-fi kind of manner. Like it's almost like this is what we were in a way, and then it gets medium fi, then it gets a little high fi, but it just opens up to this like world of but still has like are you your drums on a lot of that right are you playing drums on it yeah probably about half of it i think justin played mm -hmm. on definitely played on from in alaska and um but yeah about half maybe yeah and it's just the drum sound on that record i feel is like one of the best like little sounding great sounding kits like i feel like it was just super dialed like that little drums like i remember the first time i heard that record i was like these guys are fucking nailing because it was before we really knew each other and i'm like these guys are nailing the little drums like the little drums is where it's at little and it drums. was just like yeah little drums like 70s drums, drums you know that's what i was saying yeah, about no, rockabye and these big drums against an acoustic yeah, yeah, guitar like these are opposing sensibilities like to hear like yeah. King Ride and like a big modern studio kit with an acoustic instrument, to me, there's that's where the anxiety comes into play. Like this contrast of like within this experience of a song, everything needs to relate to one another the way that things seem to in nature. But if you're being given like tiny sounds really close to your ear against sounds that are extremely loud and to me, that's literally what like anxiety, how it manifests, like this contrast of yeah. quiet things existing with loud things on an equal plane. It's just unnatural, you know? It's like. Can you imagine if Paperback Rider had productions from the 90s? It'd be terrible. It'd be a bad song. Terrible. It'd be awful. It would be on Paul's album. Like, we would, it would, it was like. Can you imagine the guitar sound? And then the drums would be so fucking loud. Like you wouldn't be able to hear any of the, and then the harmonies would just sound so close to you. Yeah. And it's like the bass would sound like it was going through an Ampeg, like new solid state. Like it would just, nothing against Ampeg, but I mean like it would just have that like rehearsal room kind of like pick bass that you would hear oh fucking a it wouldn't be the same and i feel like all about they that won presentation in a way they won the 60s you had a better chance you had a better chance in the 60s but at the same yeah, for us to like it for someone you know for a musician or for people it, there's just a warmth to that music that can never really come back and i think that's why you know, I've loved Dr. Dog as much as I have. It's not because I think that you're not aping anything. I think that you're just, you're taking from an aesthetic that is like where I think we should all be. Like, I feel like, you know what I mean? It's just, it has that um, just kind of, uh, I mean, I'm not analog, but like, it's just real. It sounds, it sounds like it's, it's, you're in the room and it sounds like, you know, the way that I just want to hear music. Thanks, you man. know, as opposed to these 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 machines. 
Drums. Drums are too loud. Drums are too loud, man. Too much information. That's the second time that producer Adam has held up the wrap-up segment. Nobody listens um, to drums with their face two inches from a rack, Tom. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, listen, I love drums. You love drums. Drums are the best. It's just there's too much drums. There's too, there's too much drums. It's too much. But like, like, you know, and I feel like there, some of the, the secret to rock, to, to getting a, like a song that really rocks, is that if you get, if you have too much kick drum, to me, it's just going to take, make it rock less. It's like you have to, like, I want to reach for, like, what are the drums doing? You know what I mean? And it's just kind of like, in a way, unless I'm listening to, like, Led Zeppelin or if I'm listening to, like, yeah, you know, there's always exceptions. The Pixies or the Nirvana, you or know Kendrick what I mean? There's exceptions something. to something it. Something where the kick drum, yeah, it's just context. Right. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm an anti-kick drum. Of course I'm not. I'm just saying in, in the context of like, you know, a song like Rock By with like open chords kind of thing. It's just like. Yeah, man, with that acoustic guitar, like make this nice little one mic drum sound kind of off to the back. That's why I'm saying I'm going to do a Sean Mullins version. I'm going to challenge myself to make it good. Are you going to say, you have to talk the verse though, right? You can't come up with the melody. Why not? Is that like, what, like, what are the rules? Okay. You can come up with the melody. Should I do one too? Should we make this like a, like a mulling off? Or yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, in that spirit, we're going to do this. We are going to do this. I'm going to have you. Um, and then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put a timeline on it at some point and we'll listen you know to what it I'm on the gonna podcast. Kind of just go reggae with it. Cause like a melody, like, Well, listen, don't give away the, you know what I mean? I want to, I want to wait because I might go in a different direction with mine. Okay. So what we're going to do is we'll, we'll set a date after this and we'll be like, all right, this is going to be the mulling off, the rock off, uh, the buy off. We'll come up with a cool name for it. And then, you know, we'll, we'll do it on the, we'll, I'll, I'll play them on the podcast. Um, and then also speaking of songs that have been written, um, but just so before first, you before move we, on from that, yeah, just putting a, a, a fine point upon the, Ver the nature of the exercise being an expression of something that I think is crucial to the what makes this song stinks universe in order to be able to not understand it fully as empty negativity and more just like a study really in what ideas are, how they're presented and why presentation can really make or break the quality of an idea for people with certain mm -hmm. sensibilities like our own. Obviously, it's like nobody gives a shit. Rockabye's on a thousand times like today, yeah. functioning in the world. Oh, it's doing fine. It's, it's absolutely doing fine. We're the ones that aren't. We're, <laughs> we're the ones that aren't doing fine. That's that's kind of the whole. I mean, that's the whole thing about the Stinks universe, right? It's just because, like, we. I feel like I'm constantly. We're constantly playing an away game. You know, yeah. it's just like you're going into a supermarket. It's an away game. The only time that you really have control over, like, you know, and you'll catch good ones. Like I caught, you know, um, yeah, I caught a vacation at the supermarket. Go goes the other day. I mean, you're gonna catch good ones. Good one, yeah. You know. But for the most part, you're you're in a, it's an away game, and you got rockabye. That's the whole reason why we're doing this episode. You you texted me one day. You and Leanne were in a store. You got rockabye, mm -hmm. and and you're like, oh man, I just heard this song. I haven't heard in a long time. It's fucked up. And then we had to watch the video, and I was like, yep, you're doing it. So then I was like, when I knew I was gonna have you on the podcast, that's why I wanted it to be rockabye <laughs> because it. I see that's what happened to me with all summer long. 
with the solo when I was in the supermarket. I heard the solo out of key, and I was just like, "This is uh, all right." So oh, it's moments like these. Wow, yeah. It's moments like these that those inspire. You know this, but yeah, we're gonna try to make it like a little bit more pleasing. I don't think we could get this thing to where it's like something I really want to hear all the time, but maybe just a little bit more pleasing. And that's the goal of the exercise. Well, that shouldn't be hard. Um, yeah. No. So everyone's going to hear those eventually on the podcast. Now, um, I'm going to plug her shit real quick. Again, Scott McMicken, he's Dr. Dog. Look him up, whatever. Press on records, get on Instagram, give him a follow. Cassettes. Um, and he's got it. He's going to, do you want to talk? You, you're working on a record. Um, yeah. And at some point, there's going to be a record, which is going to be really exciting. Yeah, I got a record done, like a, my first sort of real solo album. And, um, mm -hmm. And it's coming out maybe next, not exactly sure when, but sometime early next year, maybe. And um, and I'm playing a show November 5th in upstate New York in Woodstock at Levon Helm Studio. No shit. I didn't know about that. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to come to, I'm going to go to that. Get out there, man. I've played there. It's fucking amazing, man. Cool. I've heard oh great things about it. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, when I, listen, Adam is going to. Adam's gonna fucking send me anthrax for this episode because what are we on like three hours probably but um when I played there Larry Campbell came in like picking up an amp while we were sound checking the U2 guy no, no Larry Campbell the guitar player that was like guitar player for for Dylan and he's just like oh. he's up there and I was just like this is ridiculous I'm like there he is right there and I I had said and I said Larry you know you're one of my favorites man and I'm going to play this lick tonight when we play and I totally stole it from you and I played him the lick and he goes oh, I stole it from somebody you're good man you got it nice so it was just like he was he was really cool so anyway Scott let's let's get you out of here um thanks so much for coming on just because you know I love talking to you and uh I think that we I think that we broke down Rockabye pretty successfully. I feel pretty good about it. Um, I want to thank producer, executive producer Adam Levin um, and Pat Finnerty. Go to patfinnerty.net. That's where all the bullshit is. And this is an exciting thing because um, you're going to hear our Rockabyes, but also uh, Scott sent me a song because we'll send these songs back and forth to each other every now and then. And he just sent me a memo of a song he was working on. It was talking about all these different kinds of songs you could write. And then I was like, wait a second. I think this could be a cool thing for me to play at the end of the podcast. So then you took it to the next level where you didn't just like sing about the kind of songs. You actually did the genres. And then uh, so this is going to be the way that we're going to end the episodes oh, nice. from here on out. I'm going to, yeah. So I think I'm just going to use this. So we're going to, we're going to play out with that. And I hope everybody uh, enjoys. This is a Scott McMicken track called, uh, strumming. It's called, right? Yeah. Cool, man. Right. So I appreciate you doing that for the show. My and, pleasure. uh, we'll, and we'll be talking real soon about this rock by bullshit. Love it. So thanks everybody. Thanks everybody for watching. Thanks Scott. And, uh, you know, click the link or don't click the link. Love you, Pat. Yep, you too, man. Well, you could write a country tune Set your mind on daddy's phone And keep it simple and true to form By the way it's done You could write a rap track Get the alphabet and chewing on the phrasing Once you get to the end of the line It's amazing, dropping like bombs You could write a metal rap Cha-cha, cha-cha, cha-cha The devil is dead and strong
pop banger Seven figures for some running numbers I like the old ones better than the new ones Coming on too strong You could buy the folk, did he? Tell the tale of a god of a neighbor Same old story and it's always changing Going on and on and on and on Well, you could write a jazz number Hot coals and my soul is blazing The right notes are never wrong Off the top of my head Ah, you could write a poem, song Network.